This is Utano Public Health Chats with your host, Fiona. And today I'm excited to host another friend who I've known from my time here in Kigali. And she's going to introduce yourself, herself, but I just wanted to take some time to let everybody know how we how we met and like the background of how we connected. So I think I've known Dee for about two years now. Yeah, so about yeah. two years. So 2020, right at the peak of COVID, it was the first time we, we linked up and socially and we got to be friends, traveled the country. And then I think it didn't, like, I think we only found out, it only clicked at least on my end, that we were both interested, like we were in the same field. Months mm-hmm. later, <laughs> I think, was it like, what do you do? Yeah. I just said it was. And then... <laughs> And then we kind of like got into it. So I feel like ours was like a, you know, a social friendship first. And then we got nerdy. Professional. Yeah. So I'm very excited to have her on the show. And I feel like some of the conversations uh, we're going to have with her today, we've sort of had some of them a little bit. And also um, I had the pleasure of hosting her when I hosted a Twitter space sometime last year on what is public health. And then we had another one on data tech and data in public health and you were panelists there so I really appreciate that and I'm so grateful and appreciate having her on the show again today so without delaying it I'm gonna let our guest introduce herself and if you could just let us know your name where you're from where you're based what Mm -hmm. kind of work in a little bit of an introduction to yourself Okay. Uh, so, hi, Utano Public Health listeners. My name is Dorcas Karibi. I am Kenyan by birth, uh, but a citizen of the world. Let me see, what else? Where are you currently based, if you want to share uh-huh. that, or your what countries you work in, mm. and how long you've been working in public health? Okay, so yeah, so I am a statistician, a biostatistician to be specific, and I'm currently... Um, I am currently part of a group called the Biostatistics Research Group at Newcastle University here in the UK. And um, I've been in the field for around six, six to seven years now, slightly over seven years. And my background is in statistics. And uh, previously, I've, um, I've worked in a few fields, well, still in the research fields, but holding like different positions, like I've been the study design and analysis manager back there in Kigali where we met and I've also like been um, analyst a researcher like working with different organizations and companies to implement health products and services so yeah I'm currently based in the UK but I also support some work a lot of work in Africa using like different positions that's amazing oh my gosh um I guess a follow-up there is something that I ask some of the guests is like, so how do you, and this is something I struggle with sometimes, but maybe for you, it's a little bit easier because you said I'm a biased. So you would call yourself a biased, biased decision. Is that the yeah, word? I, I know it's it's a mouthful. Like I, I, I always say like just statistician is fine. Okay. Uh, so I, I identify as a, I identify <laughs> as a statistician. <laughs> <laughs> a researcher. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I identify as a statistician and researcher. And um, okay. Yeah, mainly because the two are closely tied. Right. Well, you can be a statistician, like just dealing with the data, but mm-hmm. you're not involved in part of the research. Mm-hmm. But if you're uh, a researcher, I think you can you get to do like both sides. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's what I do right now. So that's currently, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so basically you're like a comfortably I guess right I was actually this is something that I've been thinking about recently as I dive in with them like when do people call themselves mid-career professionals like when Uh, are you well to be honest I think that is very relative because it should be I think it's dependent on I don't know if it's dependent on the current field or Mm -hmm. cumulatively right because for me seven years sounds like like comfortably in the mid-career you would be surprised at my current station of work, I am very early <laughs> in your career path. Okay, so maybe yeah. then, oh, that's something to unpack then. Okay, so yeah. it might also depend on like the kind of field you work in and yeah. how like not young, but like what it takes to actually enter those particular fields, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like mm-hmm. in fields that require doctorate degrees or 
right? So anything like kind of like less than sometimes then becomes early by definition. You're right. That's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend. And I also will come back to this later, but I loved mm-hmm. how you distinguished, you said research and statistics. That, <laughs> that word. <laughs> yes. And the distinction. So I'd love to hear how you distinguish that and how you feel like you, you're able to do both. Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. And um, yeah, this is like, this is so cool. I'm just, I'm just excited. And side note, mm-hmm. I really love all your t-shirts about data. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a geek I'm a geek tea like I, yeah that's the you know one thing I always remember about these like she has a lot of cool t-shirts with data puns <laughs> yeah you know how people say you are what you wear so mm-hmm. I try to you really be, encompass <laughs> yeah I try to communicate that and like I don't know if I should mention this so I'm I'm also like my I'm I'm a very outspoken activist sometimes Mm-hmm. so um you know like and so sometimes mm-hmm. um I like to communicate I don't have to be in the streets uh there are some places for example like here in the UK mm-hmm. uh, my visa does not allow me to like actively protest on the streets right. oh but but you know protest doesn't have to be like on the trees always on the, on street. the streets that's true yeah so like I use whichever platform I can get so like some some of my t-shirts I have my yeah. favorite is one uh-huh. that's the one that says like nah N-A-H. <laughs> hey, Rosa Parks, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I have I have another one saying like silence is a form of oppression. Like mm-hmm. just wearing the tees sometimes. It uh, is it is a form of its own resistance. I, I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Especially yeah. when especially the now one, I remember that one. It's pretty cool. And it's just like that <laughs> doesn't say yeah. much, but you get it. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So I definitely know you for your love of data. So maybe we can actually start there. So where yeah. where did this come from? Like, where did this start, this love of data? Um, so uh, the short version of it was that growing up, I always wanted to become a pilot. And um, I was so vocal <laughs> about it. Like, even my dad. Uh-huh. So my dad was so scared that this dream is not going to die. Because, you know, like how in Africa going to learn something like being a pilot is it's not cheap it's quite mm-hmm. expensive yeah so like after I finished uh, my high school uh, my dad actually took me to uh, an aviation school just to check out like what work is done there what is required mm-hmm. and all that but then after that we saw like obviously the fees were a bit too high for his for our capacity for his capacity mm-hmm. back then and so, and then I was quite young. I think I was, I was 16 by the time I finished high school. So they were like, I think for you, maybe go try and do something else and then come back later and see if you still want to become a pilot. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was music to my parents' ears because they were like, oh, at least we tried. <laughs> right. They, they even yeah. took it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my dad actually asked me like, what is it that I wanted to do? And because I loved mathematics back then, so I said like something math related. So he said, okay, that's good. I have a few options here. Tell me which university you want to go to. So I randomly picked a university that was a place far, far away from home. (laughs) Yeah, so that's when I did like my economics and mathematics. So I have my BSc was in economics and mathematics. And it was, I think, around that year that I decided, you know what, I don't want to continue with economics. Too much words, too much Mm -hmm. theory, but the mathematics was more practical because it was actually applied statistics. And that's where I fell in love with data and just seeing how all these things we've been learning from the theory of mathematics, how to derive, I don't know what, 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 Mm -hmm. seeing it come to life in like real life situations like... (laughs) Wow. What does it mean to compare different means? What does it mean to see the effect of one thing over another? Like, yeah, um, I think that's when my journey in data started. And I think I've never looked back since then. I've been in the field. Since wow, then. that's pretty cool. So did you ever yeah. did you ever reconsider now that you're an adult? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yes, you can still, you know, multiple passions, multiple loves. Yes. Have you considered yeah. going back to pilot school? Uh, well, mm-mm. Not, not really. So uh-huh. this is a joke that my my grandma always used to say because you know I was quite vocal about that dream. 
and I used to tell her, even her, like quite a lot. So she was like, ah, so you decided you're not going to become a pilot. So these days you'd be carried by planes, you know, like, yeah, because I like to travel. So she was mm-hmm. like, ah, okay. So instead of being on the cockpit these days, you like being in the passenger seat. And I was like, yeah, because I, I don't think I'm. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's great. That's also great too. I mean, even though it didn't end up with like your first passion, it, or at least what you were interested in as a child, it's also interesting yeah. to that your your parents your dad was um actively involved in your like career decisions you know from his young yeah. 16 that's pretty yeah. cool to even sit down with a parent and like think through like what what do I like doing what am I good at exactly. um, what can I move forward with I think that's a key piece I think we had one other guest as well who mm-hmm. their decision also was largely influenced by their dad so that's pretty cool that's exciting so you got yeah. into it you did your BSc you're like mm-hmm. nah to econ and then you kind of like move forward with math yeah. so tell me where so you see you say there was applied statistics so at what point yeah. did it then funnel into I mean like, right, especially now in 2020, we all kind of have an understanding that, you know, there's data, there's so much use for data in any field, really, right? So where, at what point in your career did that, like, that path lead you to applied statistics or math or yeah. health? Yeah. So in health, so the other, the other dream, my second option, like, my second option in terms of, like, dreams was to become a surgical nurse. And it was mostly influenced by um, Ben Carson. I don't know. It. Ah, the yeah. book. Yeah, so the book. So my, my mom had like so many books from Ben Carson and mm-hmm. like, I would read them, I would read them and I'd be like, yo, I would like to support such a person. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't become a, a surgeon, but I would like to help the surgeons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then at that time, me and Blood were not friends. So <laughs> I said, I basically, actually when I, Got, when I finished my undergrad, I did some work in agriculture, a lot of work in agriculture, like mm-hmm. uh, even the institution that I was supporting. I was in like the uh, mathematical modeling department mm-hmm. and we were looking at how pests affect like invade farms. It was a lot of agri-related work. Mm-hmm. But then deep inside, I still wanted to pursue, I, I was looking for a way to enter medicine, to be precise. So mm-hmm. after, when I realized that, one, there are few, very few biostatisticians, especially in Kenya. And then number two, I realized that the things that we are applying in agriculture are the same that you can apply, apply in public health or mm-hmm. like starts in starts. Like as long as you know the theory bit of it, mm-hmm. the application can always be extended to various contexts. So deep down, I've always like had a passion of joining the public health field. And that is how uh, I ended up like choosing biostatistics for my master's because, um, oh, okay. yeah, I wanted like something to stamp it that, yeah, now I can easily join the field. Right. Oh, okay. So you became a little bit, I guess, more focused in your stats, in your master's. Yeah. Yeah a lot wow that's cool okay so you said okay so you graduated you did some agricultural work using your stats background and then we're like yeah. okay I'll do the masters and then and then what happened I'm still trying to understand how <laughs> when did you come to Kigali like how did that even happen like walk me through like I guess so once you did your masters what kind of like maybe let's think about the opportunities that masters now are more focused on mm-hmm open for you and what kind of work you then you know coming from yeah. the agriculture to now health what kind of opportunities yeah. presented to you yeah so I think how how I finally made my way to like some of the work that I do um I would say like it, it somehow was tied to like one of my mentors when I was in undergrad uh, because one of the lecturers that really shaped my direction in like applied statistics he used to work for like a lot of companies uh, as a consultant Mm -hmm. and one of them was actually uh, Kenya Medical Research Institute and uh, I would see the kind of work he's doing so I started trying to look around and see um, after I finish school what are the places that I can actually work in Mm -hmm. so um, I have a mentor I don't know if it's fine to mention his name yeah, if you want to shout him out and he's okay, okay. is he or she okay with it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so he's called Dr. Kennedy Mutai. Mm-hmm. So he was already working as a biostatistician in in the in Kenya already. 
working for one of the companies. So I casually just approached him on LinkedIn. I sent him a message, told him, oh, I'm a third year, fourth year student. I would like to get in the field. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. So like he gave me some advice and told me like, once you finish, uh, just look for work in such and such places mm-hmm. and then see how you can make your way out of it. So he also recommended a few things that I needed to really work on if I wanted to join the biostatistics field. So, and and that is how, so using his advice and like my own uh, determination and guidance also from a few people, because I, I read a lot, like sometimes I find it like, it's, I don't know if it's healthy. I used to read a lot, these days I've dialed down a bit. So when, when I finished school, I joined the Greek uh, institution supported them in their stats work. Um, I worked closely with the, I used to visit the biostatistician in that place a lot just to keep in touch, like trying to, I didn't want to steer far away from biostatistics. Yeah. So when I finished my master's, I applied for a job in an NGO that was basically supporting a monitoring and evaluation of health projects. And that is how I pivoted now into public health and that is how I I got to learn a lot about research from that field and my supervisor then like uh, away from the stats now like this other part of research doing even sampling programming questionnaires setting up questions doing like Mm -hmm. statistical analysis plans uh, a bit of people management because while in that company, I got promoted and I had like three analysts working under me. So, <laughs> yeah, so like I really learned a lot from that NGO. And I also like really, I had really good supervisors that were pushing us to like learn as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You want to try this out here, try it. If you fail, like they show you like how to go about it. So I think that also like uh, molded me, the research bit of me. I was molded a lot while I was in that NGO. And then the start beat was like from undergrad and my first company that I worked. Right. Yeah. Wow. Critical. Cool. Like I've talked a lot. <laughs> no, this is this is so important. This is like laying. I think it's so important to lay the foundation. <laughs> so like where are you coming from and where are you now? And like where are you going? Frame a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. I want almost but I think this is important. And I think at least for me and what I envision for town of public health chester, I think this is this is the kind of thought process and background and thinking I would love our viewers and not just listeners to hear. And to kind of like, for example, for me, what I'm picking from what you shared so far is mm-hmm. you mentioned your dad and like the career guidance. We talked about that. And then there's yeah. books by Ben Carson and that you read yeah. that your mom had that were very important and kind of like shaping like, oh, I'm interested in health. OK, but I don't yeah. want it, but I still want I'm interested in this. And then you mentioned uh, being in school and then liking statistics. And then there was a mentor, right? Yeah, mentorship. And that's a common theme I've picked up as well in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. So definitely important. So mentorship mentorship guided you and you, you know, kept you plugged in. And also, even with the mentorship piece, I picked up that you also took initiative and were reaching out to people. So you reached out to additional people in the field that you were looking to establish yourself in and reached out to them Mm -hmm. on shout out LinkedIn and, Mm -hmm. you know, got that support to kind of like continue plugging away until you kind yeah. of found yourself or landed in what you were looking for at least or aligned with mm-hmm. what you had. So yeah. no, that, that's pretty cool. That's, yeah, that's a lot of initiative, I would say. Shout out to you for that. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I don't know if I had that much initiative when I was younger. <laughs> but with this piece of mentorship, I feel like I've never had like an official mentor. I have people who've mentored yeah. me in my career, but it's always hard when I start to think like, who are my mentors? And who am I yeah. mentoring, you know, in my career? That's definitely something I, I hope to explore more on a ton of public health chats. But it's great yeah. to hear that that was also very helpful and in, um, like an important piece of your career path. Okay, so now yeah. you get can, to the... Can, can I just add something on that yeah, mentorship sure. aspect? So, you know, like recently, a lot of young people are being told, look for a mentor or like identify a mentor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are also like already working in their career are told like mentor people, mentor people. Like I, I think recently there's a lot of pressure 
from both sides on mentorship but you have to understand like now this is speaking from a person who's been mentored mm-hmm. uh, of course over the years i accumulated like a few more mentors like i have a professional mentor i have i don't call it global mentor but this is someone who i speak to about not only the professional world but like mm-hmm. other aspects of my life mm-hmm. so uh, and then now it reached a point where a few people approached me and i started mentoring them Mm-hmm. So I have like a group of like six six young people who I mentor professionally though. Mm-hmm. So with all this pressure, people have to understand that mentorship is actually a, um, it's a relationship. You see like all these mm-hmm. other aspects that exist in a relationship, like exactly. where in as much as in as much as you're you're more experienced you have to be open to also learn a lot i have learned a lot from my mentees so you have to put in communication you have to be intentional of course initiative also has to be there um mostly from the mentee okay. sorry to say that mostly from the mentee yeah because you're, the one you're approaching someone yeah exactly and this is something i've seen like one of the great mentors say and i agree with it if you're going to approach someone for mentorship you must come with something you know just like i know people don't like being asked what do you bring to the table but <laughs> even as a mentee Right. Sure, like say I have I have done this, I have done this, it didn't work, or like this is the little I have come with. Would you please guide me? You get like don't come empty-handed and say, um, Docas, I want to do statistics. Okay, so and I'm like, okay, let me know what have you done. Yeah, <laughs> so much, is, right? So yeah, much. this is the yeah, so like it's it's mentorship is good, yes, but I feel like if there is a goal tied to mentorship, it makes it easier for both parties because mm. you could have like temporary mentorships where like you have like someone helping you to reach a certain stage. And then after that, you guys are free to like, you don't, we don't have to be yeah. mentors anymore. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like, anyway. You're right. I've had definitely like my, both my, my undergrad program and master's program, we mm especially my master's program, I think they were a little bit more intentional with this. So we were, yeah. our departments were assigned people and these mm-hmm. were faculty who have been like in the field at least 20 plus years. Who yeah. would then, you know, you would fill out a form at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say, you know, interested in region, interested in a health area, interested in a particular skill, then they match you. And then that kind of person, they don't even have to be teaching you or doing anything mm-hmm. with you. Just meet with them once a month. That's what I used to do. And we just talk. She just tell me, okay, what are you thinking? Do you like this class? Everybody hates mm-hmm. work or whatever it is. And then you talk about it. Sometimes you laugh or sometimes, you know, she throws in, oh, there's this internship I saw. Do you want to apply? Yeah. You kind of write that. Like, I don't talk to her anymore because <laughs> I graduated. Right. So uh-huh. her point was her goal for me in the program was to kind of guide me as I went through my master's and exactly. send someone that worked with a lot of master's students. Yeah. Same program in the same department to kind of uh-huh. know what to expect when we're busy, when we're thinking about like jobs and things like that yeah and it ended and that's yeah yeah that's a good point yeah Yeah. so it doesn't have to be lifelong it doesn't have to be lifelong that's a good point okay okay so much is really important no i like this i think a part of me wants to um i think i have like a larger vision for town of public health chats where I think now is the conversations, but it would be great. Uh, someone even like I was talking to a friend of mine, and they're like, "You could we could do an event." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but I do think yeah. that hopefully it could be more than just you know people listening to the podcast, but it could be a yeah. podcast where uh, you know if people want to you know talk more with the different guests or be mentored yeah. by people um, or have a platform for at least Q and A's that could yeah. be uh, online things like that so um definitely something to shelf and keep in mind especially in a career context but it's also yeah. cool the idea that you brought in that there are different types of mentors and a professional versus maybe a personal or like yeah holistic or both. or both yeah that's yeah. pretty cool okay so let's do like pick either your favorite mm-hmm. project you've ever worked on or tell me about yeah, either that or if you want to tell us a little bit about like the the work you do now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think I'll, I'll speak a little bit more about the work I do now because uh-huh. of all the places I've worked in like throughout the seven years. I feel like when I got this job is when I felt now I'm starting to... <laughs> 
to get into what I actually desired or wanted to do. Yeah, so like you said, that, that journey of seven years, like mm-hmm. now is when I'm feeling like, okay, this now seems like what I want to do. Now yeah, exactly. I'm currently um, a clinical trial statistician, uh, which means my work is, a big portion of it is focused on like supporting clinical trials as a statistician, right from the inception of a clinical trial to like recruiting participants who like assessing the clinical trial and at the end of it or like reporting the outcomes of the clinical mm-hmm. trial. So the other bit it was like supporting some observational trials and all that. But it's the clinical trials that I'm very happy about and content about. Of course because of like some privacy reasons we can't talk about some of the ongoing projects. But mm-hmm. I really enjoy like I've always wanted to be part of um problem solving in public health but now from I don't want to say in the background but somehow in the background so right now when we when we look at these clinical trials maybe there's a new drug being introduced or maybe we are looking at um, a new intervention being brought uh, before it's taken out to the public contributing to that uh, to be honest is very fulfilling mm-hmm. and I, I recently lost someone who was very important to me to cancer and I felt like their death could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. So, and it made me like see the inequalities between advanced countries and countries in Africa, uh, especially in terms of cancer treatment and uh, basically cancer research. So um, in the work I do right now, uh, we do support like a few uh, early phase cancer trials. And I'm, yeah, it makes me so, like, I just like being, there and mm-hmm. learning a lot of information so at the end of the day uh, what I would like to do we are working with a few friends actually uh, towards this I really like to see the knowledge transfer from you know people here have all this advanced technology all this advanced mm-hmm. knowledge that we are lacking in Africa and as a huge uh, campaigner of knowledge transfer and collaboration I very much want to see these things being taken back to Kenya or like some countries in Africa, how can we make life easier basically for people who are ill? And how can we avoid some of these diseases that can be avoided? Or like, how can we treat some of these diseases that in Africa we think they are not treatable? Yeah, so I I really like being involved in that and seeing all these projects move from one stage to another. And yeah, at the end of the day, because... The goal is to see like policy change or like change in, yeah, change in people's lives. So, right. yeah, seeing, seeing. I know it's so, that. so yeah, it's so funny because people every time that's mm-hmm. absolutely right. And the reason I'm laughing is I think mm-hmm. every time I get to this question or any version of this question with my guests, is we always land to this place where it sounds corny, but it yeah. really is true. It's changing people's yeah, lives. Yeah, that's the end goal. Like <laughs> it is, and it's okay. It does. Like when it comes out of your mouth, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm saying." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you can't be in global or public health and right. not think about the end goal, which is changing people's lives. Ultimately, it is the, the yeah. ultimate impact. You know, like you're saying, yeah. either preventing illness or you know, mm-hmm. coming up with treatment and um, impact yeah. people's lives, people's health and their lives. And and I think that's the for me at least. I, I definitely am on the same page with you. Is that that's a very fulfilling thing about working in public health and that health life and contributing Mm -hmm. health just makes me you know it it keeps me going it's like I wake up every day what I'm doing ultimately gets us to this one step at a time so it it, it feels worth it um and I don't know if you've um have you read or come across that concept of like ikigai ikigai it's this Japanese concept of like Uh, oh yeah yeah ikigai oh I noticed someone called ikigai It's called what? I thought you. I thought you were referring to a guy called Iki. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know, like... know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it really is spelled like that. Like yeah, it is Iki guy. Yeah. But I think my mind was just somewhere else. I I thought I at least I don't know if you've thought about it 
that deeply but yeah. it did sound like you know with that it's like I remember it's kind of like a Venn diagram where it's like things you're passionate about things that you're good at things that you're paid for and I think mm-hmm. there's a fourth one and then at the intersection and like most like right, concept is like not everyone gets to get to that almost like sweet impossible spot of like I'm good at mm-hmm. this you know I'm paid for it I'm passionate about it and it keeps mm-hmm. me and like this is my ultimate purpose in life so when you were saying it's taken me this long and like now I'm here that's that's definitely something that came into my mind around and like it resonates also with what I've been hearing from other people who work in public health this idea of like global impact so I think this is amazing and I'm like congratulations to you (laughs) I don't feel so happy and so happy about something and being like this is where I am is honestly like really big it's really big mentally emotionally and everything so yeah that's yeah. great so it's also I think important to note that like you know it's it's also personal I think for me yeah. that's another thing that keeps me going is that public health is big and it's we are thinking at the very big level yeah. when we talk about cancer or, you know or any of these big diseases and like population level but it's also personal because you know we've we've seen what failed health systems or ineffective or inefficient health yeah. systems impact our loved ones people we know mm-hmm. ourselves even so yeah I feel like a lot of this could be generalization but it a lot of Africans who venture into either public health or global health there is a personal touch that influences that decision and it's really unfortunate but it's also a good thing because you'll find it, it drives a lot of people who are in the field yeah no, that's absolutely right. And I'm even thinking back to the first first Twitter space we had last year. I remember a bunch yeah. of people when I asked the question, like, what brought you to public health? And even just more recently, our episode with Nana, and it was, it, you said something similar, and Nana also said something similar, where you come across something and then you say, this was an avoidable death, or this was an avoidable outcome. There are things that could have been done earlier on or at some point in the going down this cascade mm-hmm. that could have prevented it. And for you, you know, within the cancer research field, it's, it's around treatment, it's around, you know, like prevention options as well. And then for others, it's usually, you know, like you're saying, a personal story that opens yeah. like this kind of like realm of looking thing, looking at things. So yeah, no, thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. So I feel like yeah. we've covered, you know, why you pursued a career in public health. What's yeah. your favorite thing? We've talked a little bit about what that work looks like for you. Yeah. Yes. I, I'm going to, I feel like this is a repeat question, but I'm going to ask it again <laughs> before we go huh? negative. <laughs> so just to get, let's keep it, let's layer another layer. Wow, is that a negative part? <laughs> So I have what's your favorite, what's your least favorite. So before we do Ah. the least favorite, let's clear, let's just sugarcoat it one more time. (laughs) And say, okay, so you've talked about the work you're doing, how you find it fulfilling and what brought you to public health. What can you say generally as a field, right? You've mentioned, and I've seen like on your LinkedIn profile, on the profile you shared, like you've done so much work, right? You've from agriculture and development, right? To like cancer trials, to doing M&E, to doing Mm -hmm. statistical analysis plans, right? That's Mm -hmm. a lot. So you've picked up a lot you've seen a lot in all yeah. the experiences what's your favorite thing <laughs> what's that one thing that you go like you know it happens like maybe once a week once a month and you're like huh, I work in public health I love this like what's your favorite yeah. thing about working in public health yeah wow that's that's a really hard question <laughs> uh, why is it because there's so many things <laughs> picking one is let me pick one now uh, my favorite thing about uh working in public health uh, is it really about public health or generally like? And the work that you do, whether you want to... Okay, the work that I do. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say like seeing something grow from a challenge to a solution. Mm-hmm. I think th- that's yeah. a good way to summarize it. Like where you find you have, uh, for example, in my previous job, we used to, I, I, I helped, I worked with the team there to like create really good digital products, like health products. Seeing something come from, uh, let's say, if it's, I'm just going to give an example. I don't want to mention the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say uh, I have a challenge of like, I'm supposed to take some blood pressure medication, uh, which is taken like on a daily basis. Uh, maybe I'm supposed to go collect it from somewhere. And I have all these challenges about transport. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm in a, a village in Kenya. I can't, I don't have transport to go to the place. How about we 
uh, we innovate together with the people who are involved in that ecosystem to make mm-hmm. it easier for me to have access to this blood pressure medication yeah. and make sure that I actually take this medication on a daily basis. Or if someone like uh, on social media like tweets like they're about to do something and we have to try and find them. So seeing things come from a challenge or an opportunity mm-hmm. and then using data and software and tech to solve that challenge or make it bearable. I feel like that's that's my favorite thing to do. And it's not only in public health, like even right. in other fields. I've supported teams and I've worked in teams that have brought solutions in uh, economics, for example, in mm-hmm. in trade, in education. Like it's it's just very fulfilling to to see that something that was seen as a challenge is no longer a challenge. And maybe you use data or something that was easily available, like either through research or through tech, basically, to see that come to life and see that problem solved. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I, that's the bit that makes me, it gives me that adrenaline. Like Right. So it's kind of like what? the challenge of it and then like yeah. skills and, and technology available to you in those programs to kind of like get to the solution and then getting to see, it sounds like yeah. also getting to see the solution in action yeah. and action. Okay. We, we went through this like almost like cycle journey. Wow. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely fulfilling. I think, yeah, I think excuse me, if someone who works in research, sometimes we really get stuck in up, uphill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if, if you don't get to see at least one thing every now Ooh. and again, it can be disappointing. It can be demotivating. So you're right. When you do get to say, oh, we were, I, I can't think of like something more. But for me, I definitely go through that in the research process. Like my current work, like we had, yeah. like at this point, I've gone through a process where we started with the research protocol and we were literally on call. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go on a working call and you're thinking mm-hmm. and you go silent for two minutes. And then we all get, because we're thinking, you're literally like, how do we? How like, do, okay, how do we go through this? Like, how do we overcome this? How do we make it work? And for us, we were mapping antigen testing for students. And like, how, what's the, like, yes, this, like, how do we test them in the way that's effective, that will get us the results that we want, but is also cost effective and actually mm-hmm. measurable. Mm-hmm. And how do we map that with the school calendar? Like that, and it sounds easy when you talk about it, but we really did have to sit down. Implementation bit of it. <laughs> right? Like, okay, guys, let's figure. But now we're doing the data collection. Like we're obviously uh-huh. doing the data collection and it's going through that You're process. saying it. And it's like, oh, we did. <laughs> it's like, oh. I, and you know, like this, this is the bit that um, this, like, uh, this is a bit like I found very interesting when I worked in tech because yeah we did a lot of things that failed right there are a lot of there are a lot of things that also worked but like mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a significant number that actually failed and you know like you have to learn through some of these failures mm-hmm. like it's not always like i'm sure uh, if you look at some of the proposals that you've done at some point you've had to like what is this thing called where you send in a request to amend the protocol or mm-hmm. send in a request to amend the fine <laughs> because like <laughs> Or you go to the field and you're like, ooh, if you, you could have done your, uh, what is this thing that we do like before? Retesting? Accessibility. Yeah, you could oh, have okay. done all mm-hmm. these things. And then when you come to do the actual implementation, you've done the pilot, everything seems fine. But somewhere along the, like, the now the real, real research work, you're like, oh, um, this is this not thing. what, yeah. And you say like, that's the beauty of research. Like yeah. sometimes if you go in, uh, if you go in thinking that, oh, we are going to get the solution, at times you end up like trying to force issues, mm-hmm. trying to force things. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- those those failures and those like, although I'm not saying like, I'm not encouraging people to fail a lot, but right. are, it's a good learning point, even from a researcher and it, to see things in a different perspective, to be honest. It really sucks the way you do <laughs> No, I'm literally thinking about a study. I was a part of the study that we were looking at. And like, I can't share the details of the study because we're so yeah. But we really did get to the point where the findings of the study were like this new, again, so it wasn't a technology, but we, we changed the process in how this like HIV testing was being done. And we we thought it would be different. Like we thought it would improve or give an increase. 
And sometimes when you're doing your research in some of these countries, and then in that short period of time, when you're doing your research, there's a group that is getting, the group that is getting the intervention gets to enjoy Right. Some yeah, yeah mm-hmm. some period. Even if it's like the project is done for six years, within those six years, maybe they're enjoying really good access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. And then now and after the project, that. yeah, which goes back to the first thing I said, like you may recommend it, but then yeah, I feel like that. This sometimes project, the research itself is the best intervention they're gonna get. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Especially I, I really feel bad. Yeah. yeah, it's my least favorite thing because it, at the end of the day, it makes me, yes, I'm happy I'm, I'm contributing to like the change. Mm-hmm. But if the change doesn't affect or reach mm-hmm. the group that it's supposed to reach, yeah, it, it makes me feel really bad. And yeah, yeah. it contributes to the inequalities in yeah. health. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So like inequalities in healthcare sometimes mean that even these solutions that we come up with during research, the mm-hmm. research process don't get to everybody. So then it feels yeah. like people doing the research and the work, like we're just doing it for, you know, people who already have access, which is mm-hmm. not bad, but it's like, it's not everyone, right? And that's a good yeah. thing to think about. And I'm wondering like, what could be the solution to that? I guess it would be- Government, yeah. if, if uh, public health, because of how sensitive it is, Mm-hmm. Um, having like governments involved, you've seen in countries like Rwanda where mm-hmm. uh, the government is a bit intentional about the health care, the health of their their citizens. Mm-hmm. You see, they they implement a lot of these recommendations from research in some countries where the the government is not very much concerned sorry to say, about their public, or is not involved in the research or involved in the generation of these innovations. Mm-hmm that disconnect is definitely going to happen. So I would say a lot of PPI, like public participation or involving mm-hmm. some of these uh, government in entities government in the yeah. research. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good, good point. Hopefully yeah. this lands on the ears that need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know some people are really trying to work on it. Like yeah. I know some countries that are really trying, but we need, we need more, we need more people. So that it can work. Yeah, so that we're yeah. not doing the research and then it kind of like lit, goes on ice. You're right. That's a good yeah. point. Research yeah. and then, but okay, that's a good point. So that's also maybe potentially like for people who would be interested in working in the field, they're not okay. interested in doing the actual research. That could be somewhere yes. where you could look to work in and like ensuring that exactly. like policy role or a role where you work with government to ensure that mm-hmm. they're harnessing all this knowledge that's being created and actually um, channeling it into mm-hmm. um, an action. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Sadly, we have to start slowing down and wrapping up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this has been good. This has been so I wow. I really like the piece on mentorship that we talked about and hearing about your background. I think I always like to end, end with these two. So before we start talking about where to the wise, let's, mm-hmm. let's be a little bit more specific with our skills. So yeah. You mentioned, I don't know as much in this field, so I'm definitely going to like just keep this right here as well. So you mentioned your applied stats background, your math background. You yeah. mentioned then doing an MSc in biostats. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and then you also said, you know, you love data. You enjoy using these data technology software um, yeah. to come up with solutions. Any, like, do you want to, like, I guess, what are your top three technologies or softwares that you work with or that mm-hmm. you enjoy working with that mm-hmm. you, you know, either want to talk about generally or would recommend um, yeah. or that you have found valuable in the field of public health? Okay. I think my top three favorite, specifically for biostatistics, mm-hmm. um, I would say data. Is this data or starter? Yeah. Yes. S-T-A-T-A. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mostly because I just like how how data manage, especially for data management, uh, yeah. when you're setting up your code and everything. So mm-hmm. that is my go-to software. There's also R, which is similar to data, yeah. but the what is the syntax is a bit different. Yeah. Uh but the advantage of R is that it's open source and it can be integrated into like so many things. Uh, it can also help people who are coming from or who want to go into data science. So okay. R is my number two. And I love the visualizations that R brings out. Oh, and then my number, 
Yeah, my number three is SAS. SAS because I think scrap SAS out of that list because... Um, <laughs> Why? Come on. <laughs> because one, it's, it's very expensive and okay. recommending it, yeah, recommending it to people. I actually try to avoid recommending SAS to people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. one, it's not easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And then number two, like something that I can do, like you'd see how in, in, in data you can say, summarize. Mm-hmm. Oh, in SAS you have to say proc, I don't know what, proc, what? Like it, it can be like five lines before. <laughs> so like, sorry? I think data feels simpler in that way compared to... Yeah, but then in terms of data science, I would say R and SAS, um, especially in mm. health, are really good because you can connect them to like databases, like huge databases and okay, the processing size. will be easier. Yeah, oh. so if we are scrapping out SAS, I have to bring in a qualitative a qualitative yeah. tool that I Yay. like using. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and um, I would recommend, what, what's the name? Why am I forgetting? Atlas TI. So Atlas TI, okay. yeah, for uh, when I'm doing some qualitative work, I, I really like using Atlas TI for like um, the analysis of qualitative data. And I just like how easy it is to, mm-hmm. you can load in data from various formats, different formats, and then it can, depending on what you highlight, it can bring out like really cool yeah. graphics. Oh. Yeah, and word clouds and like connecting different phrases, letting you know if they are positive or negative, mm. how frequently these words appear together. Yeah. Like, yeah, so those are uh-huh. my your go to yeah your face okay and yes. i i think i'm familiar with the three you talked about atlas ti i haven't done i think i've done for qualitative um and a lot of people talk about en vivo en vivo i think i've done en vivo yeah. training but i haven't actually used it in work i've done yeah. we use this thing called deduce in it's what deduce d-e-d-o-o-s-e and it, it sounds similar to what you're describing, at least where it where it could like you highlight, you highlight, and it kind of like coagulates all those highlights and, and can like visualize it for you. It would help create like world map, word maps, positive, negative. Um, I feel like for qual it ends up being which is cheaper. Really, okay. it is cheaper. Yeah, because probably as well even for the quantitative ones that you mentioned. I think I'd link internationally. At least we always end up using Stata because it's cheaper. But Stata is paid for, and R is free. R is free, but oh, okay. I think I'm comparing Stata to SAS. That oh, yeah. Learned, oh, for me, okay. we learned SAS in school, but the only people who know who use SAS are the CDC, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like Actually, it's mostly else. used in the US. Yeah, because it's expensive. It's, it's more expensive than Stata, and I think the, the, the licenses, but you're right for the size, I think, yeah. when it comes to SAS and R. But I think for people who are doing like you know, one study at a time, more studies with mm-hmm. smaller data pieces. I think Stata is also, but they're all cool yeah, stuff. Definitely. So definitely helpful to hear that, yeah. you know, these are kind of like the tools of the trade that you use. I know it's exciting to hear. Um, I guess to kind of like end, maybe you could share with us, you know, an advice. You, you already mentioned that, you you know, you have mentees and people yeah. you work with. That's pretty cool. I guess, What's your advice generally, maybe to like if you're just speaking to your mentees or mm-hmm. the younger version of yourself, what are kind of like, you know, it doesn't have to be three or two, but like your top go-to like things that you recommend for people, you know, even just when you give it about like finding a career or finding what you love, mm-hmm. or once you do find, you know, that area, especially related to public health, some things that you felt have been very useful and you would recommend. Okay. The advice to give to like an 18-year-old version of myself or like a younger younger person who wants to venture into my statistics, I'll tell them number one to be patient mm-hmm. because it takes it takes a while to get to like a certain place where you can confidently say you've you've mastered a few things here and there. It takes a while. So patience is important. Even getting to a certain level where you can say, yes, now this is actually what I want to do for my mm-hmm. life yeah so don't give up uh, be a little bit more patient and then number two I would, I would advise them to when you're starting out I know a lot of people may not agree with this but when you're starting out especially in the stats field I would say don't narrow down your scope yet mm-hmm. uh, try a few things here and there like in start try going into econometrics 
try public health if you can that is try education try all these different fields and then whichever you feel you're most comfortable with or whatever makes you feel better whether it's like mm-hmm. in terms of pay or like passion mm-hmm. just go with it and then lastly uh, social social networks are very important don't just sit and think to yourself that oh i don't need other people like interact with people in your field interact with look out reach out to them like use linkedin use twitter use instagram like in whichever way attend meetups if you can get people who are in the field that you want to go to interact with these people and it will help you make a decision actually instead of listening to just one person i don't know if that's why no that's all really so you say be patient explore yeah Yeah. um you're not an island network reach out yeah yeah it's very important yeah yeah all this stuff is so good oh man i need to do a compilation of like all these wise (laughs) things that people are saying (laughs) but even for me like them on (laughs) t-shirts i'm telling people like i'm doing this this audience i'm doing this um podcast for uh, young people but hey i am benefiting in the process (laughs) I'm taking all, all learning. <laughs> We're all learning. Yeah, then- I also learn a lot like from previous like podcasts. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. That you wouldn't just like have cut for me, it's and that's part of the reason I started this is like I think sometimes when we're even as public health workers for ourselves, right? Even mm-hmm. when you're establishing the field and you know what you're doing and you know you're on your or your path, even then we sometimes we get siloed where you start thinking about the work you're doing and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But listening to other people in the field doing slightly different Same things thing. can be like oh okay that's you know, yeah. like maybe I should think about this in my work and that's collaboration right yes that's pretty yes. good so no this has been great it's been fun yeah. uh, I'm been honored. Honored. right it's been an honor uh, no you ah, no I'm the one who's honored yo ah, mm. I'm honored too it's such a spark I'm like when I look at the big names you host I'm like I'm like I need to be ready no no at any phase of our career we all have things to share I'm just like in all of your math backgrounds I'm just like I just I think for me my relationship with like math ended a level when I did (laughs) math and like differential equations I mean yes I do I did epidemiology and statistics but I mean yeah yeah in awe and just like it's great to see that and then you know all of that still being applied in health I think is pretty cool mm-hmm. um so thank you so much for taking the time being my guest uh, and like sharing me. your experiences with us one last thing before we end do you have anything that you would want me to share whether it's like a website or a charity or something that you are a passion project of yours that you would want people uh, to check out. You can always send me the links after and then I'll add on our website on our Instagram and Twitter. But yeah. if anything you want to shout out a plug. Uh, yes, I think two or three. Mm-hmm. First one is there's an association I'm part of that I like to, to encourage people to join. So it's called Young African Statisticians. On Twitter, it's African Yes. Africa, yes. African, yes. I'm not sure which of the two. And there's also like, um, there are chapters in different countries. So like, if, you, if you're if in Uganda, there's Uganda Young African Statisticians. Mm-hmm. In Kenya, there's Isibalo Young African Statisticians. Mm-hmm. Like I know in Zambia, like, so this is a group that I've been working with and I'm currently leading. So I definitely want to plug them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like in different countries, if you're listening to this podcast, try and uh yeah, and you're interested to well, you could yeah. start the chapter in your country yeah 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 so that's number one number two of no no i mean Uta, i'm used to plugging you Utano, so like <laughs> <laughs> yay i am on your list yay of things to plug guys you heard you heard it from the ogs guys follow Utano for <laughs> yeah uh but then like from now from um in R, for example, mm-hmm. so in R, there are communities of people in R who like, for people who want to like learn R or grow mm-hmm. in the language. So there's Na- Nairobi. This is a tongue twister for people in my village. Nairobi mm-hmm. R ladies. <laughs> that is cool. I like that idea though. Okay, the name is a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, Nairobi R ladies. ladies. Is it R ladies now? 
Okay. Yeah, I'll send you the, the, the link. Okay. Yeah, so I think those are my top two plans for now. Um, yeah, um, check them out. That is See really if you can do a few things here and there with these young people. Um, I'll send you the a list of one last one of like someone ah, I've remembered it. She deals with young people in STEM. I think mm-hmm. you were also interviewed for the mm, that's a good one. Yeah, so yeah, she highlights like stories of uh, women in STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, called Worlds That Count, and it's led by one brilliant young lady from Uganda called Winnie. So yeah, okay. I'll send you, I'll send you the link. So I think those are my top three plugs. No, thank you for that, and it's really great to see like you know all these like you know career support groups, whether it's young people in Africa, yeah. it's like in Nairobi working on art, with like STEM in general. It's really great to I think yeah. Like my yeah. definitely. Um, I think she reached out to me. I might have not, but definitely will be interested in looking into that. Or even having her on the show. Mm, yes. Okay. No. Um. This has been great. Thank you so much, Dee, for coming. Uh. This Thank has been Utano Public Health Chat, and today we were talking with Dorcas Kareti about the career in public health and stats. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.